How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are. Not so much a good morning as it is good afternoon, as it's now 12 o'clock. Uh, we had to uh, just push it ahead a little bit this morning because uh, we, with the Canada Day celebrations, they have a big parade that literally starts at my corner. And it's so loud with the trucks and the sirens and the bagpipers and drums and everything. So I thought, oh, you know what? We'll just push it, push the study ahead a bit and uh, I'll go out and hit the street. So I put up a couple pictures uh, in the community posts of Pastor Paul and I. I gave him a quick call uh, uh, last minute, but he rushed over and he joined me. He has a, a shirt like this, too. On the back, it says, repent and believe the gospel. And we stood on the street with our gospel signs and handed out tracks and John and Romans. So I got my bag here. I got my hat. I just rushed in. I had to get all set up. So yeah, we handed out uh, our John and Romans and uh, uh, we got a bunch of tracks and stuff and got a few out. So it was pretty good. Uh, some people were happy to see us. A lot of people were really didn't like us there it, it was kind of funny um as i'm saying it to my signs i time it uh, so when people are coming up in their cars i'll wave and they'll wave instinctively and then see what i'm about and their hand goes down they get all mad it was really funny <laughs> it's like parting the red sea when dad and i are walking just people just want to get away from us because <laughs> here comes the gospel it's so funny but but uh we got a bunch out, so praise the Lord. It was a good morning. Uh, it's always a good time to be able to witness the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's always a great time to witness and, and share the truth. And it's nothing that we should be ashamed of. You know, and that's one thing. When I was uh, heading out there, I have my little cart with all my uh, signs and stuff. And I'm walking out there and all the people are getting out of their cars and they're getting ready for the parade. And they're all standing around milling around. And then they, they start seeing me and you can tell they notice, you know, they're looking and they're talking and, and all this stuff. And you start to feel awkward. You start to feel awkward and uh, and uh, you can't, kind of like, you know, almost like ashamed or awkward. And then I, immediately I started thinking, what do I have to be if, to be awkward and ashamed about? What do I have to feel awkward about? I have the truth of Jesus Christ. And so I walked uh, tall and proud uh, with, with the gospel and let them be the, the awkward ones. I'm not, I'm not going to be awkward or ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the enemy that wants you to be ashamed. And that's going to be some of the things we're going to be talking about today in today's study. And he asking, what was that booklet I had in my hand? Uh, this is the John and Romans. as uh, a special one, a uh, uh, special edition that, that came out for a while there. Um, Bearing Precious Seed Ministries uh, provides provides these uh, here in uh, Ontario. Uh, it's a great great little booklet. It's just uh, the Book of John, the Book of Romans. Um, it just it has uh, some of the gospel explanations in the back of it. Um, you get different kinds, different ministries uh, offer different kinds of John and Romans. Uh, highly recommend you get into that. Uh, really good. Uh, easy it's it's a track and it's the bible so <laughs> it's the whole book of, of the gospel of john and the book of romans so take a look into that all right but today right now we are going to be looking in second corinthians chapter 10 so please grab your bibles notepads and pens 
and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, we're going to be looking through this. Again, just a short chapter, but a lot of information. So there's a, a couple things in here we're going to be focusing on heavily. So I uh, hope you got your notepad ready and you got your highlighters and markers and pens and everything. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. All right. Just give me a second to catch my breath. And unfortunately, I didn't even have time to make my coffee this morning. So I'm coffeeless. I keep going to grab my cup, but I don't have it. Oh, so I'm going to have to try to muddle through this. The Lord will give me the words. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, backing up, we see that uh, so much emphasis has been uh, really brought forward by the Apostle Paul. <laughs> now it's just Christian time, yes. <laughs> we see by the Apostle Paul as he's been establishing the difference between the, the, the saved man versus the flesh and we see we see how in uh, the apostle paul as he really explained in romans chapter 7 a a serious importance of understanding how the soul is saved the flesh is not the flesh is not the flesh is condemned to die the flesh is corrupted by sin the flesh uh, is always going to fight us and oppose us. And as Paul wrote in Romans 7, uh, the, I think it was the last verse, he says, how with the mind I serve the law of God. So inside, in the inner man, we know, we know in our saved conscience, in our saved understanding, we know uh, the difference between good and evil. We know righteousness and sin. We know what the Lord says, and we want to serve the Lord, but the flesh opposes. With the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. Uh, so Paul is really uh, emphasizing the dichotomy between the two. Now, and going through this, uh, we see how the flesh opposes us in, at every turn. The flesh doesn't want to pray, doesn't want to read the Bible. The flesh doesn't want to go out and witness, doesn't want to hand out gospel tracts. The flesh wants to feel ashamed. The flesh wants to feel awkward about the things of God. This is why you won't pray out loud in public. Think about that one. Whenever you go to McDonald's or somewhere else or wherever you go and you're out in public, ever notice you don't pray out loud. There, there's this weird awkwardness and you, and you do what's called the Baptist headache. And you go, dear Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. <laughs> and, and we, we have to coddle the flesh in all these things. So we often give in to it. We, we feel ashamed of God. But as we see, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God. It's the truth of God. And it's something we should not be ashamed of. Now, Paul goes on again uh, with another uh, uh, focus here in chapter 10. Verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in, in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. Now, Paul beseeching, begging. I beg you in meekness and gentleness of Christ. I beg in the name of Jesus Christ, in the way that the Lord would ask of you, who in presence and base among you, when I'm with you, you see how I'm 
uh, they see who and what I am. Now, we know by Paul, but from what we see, he's an individual of small stature. He wasn't eloquent. He wasn't much of an orator. He talks about his feebleness of speech. And he also is bad eyesight. He, he was just a, a like a frail kind of individual. In, in presence, in personal presence, very base. Very, very uh, nothing not really much there that that would uh, really get your attention but in absence and bold towards you but in word because in writing in absence as he's writing to you to to see me if i was there and i talking to you not so much but in word in letter you pay more attention verse 2 but i beseech you that i may not be bold when i am present with that confidence wherewith i think to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh boldness now, being bold isn't arrogant. It's not arrogance. This is what he's talking about, about the proper boldness, confidence and boldness. With, I think to be, to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. We, it's, you're not walking in the flesh being bold about things of God. Like, wearing this, when you go outside, these shirts glow. It, it, these are those safety green shirts, and they just jump out. And we're standing out there with this, with our signs and all this stuff, and being bold for the Lord. Everyone else is bold about their things, but the world is bold about their sin. They're bold about their sin. They're bold about their abominations. They're bold about all the things according to their flesh. But when we go out, what are we bold and confident in? We're not walking in boldness and confidence of flesh and not in our abilities. As Paul, a frail individual, but bold and powerful about the things of God because the Lord worked through him. And even in his feebleness of speech, it grabbed people's attention and they listened. They saw that God was in him of a truth, that he spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, this is where we get in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, though we're in this world, we are in the world, we're not of the world, but though we are in the world, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We do not try to force our individual ideas and feelings of things. It's not about politics. It's not about uh, social conformity. It's not about anything. We're here for one purpose, one purpose only. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. As Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. So we want to pay attention to what we're fighting about. What are we fighting for? And we see in scripture, it talks about fight the good fight, keep the faith, equip yourself, be strong, the armor of God and the shield and the sword and all of this. So what are we warring? What are, what are we fighting for? What are we confident and bold about? Verse four, for the weapons of our warfare. Now weapons, plural, plural. Because as, as we see in scripture as well, it talks about it in, Je in Jeremiah, is it? It says, uh, uh, is not my word as a fire and like a hammer that breaks the stone to pieces? Then we see in Hebrews, the word of God is a sharp two-edged sword. We see the armor of God, Ephesians 6. So weapons, plural. The word is a fire, a hammer, and a sword. A fire, a hammer, and a sword. It, it, when you speak, it burns and consumes. 
And like a hammer, it hits with such impact, it shatters people's opinions. As Charles Spurgeon says, the word of God is the anvil upon which the opinions of men are smashed. So it smashes apart people's opinions and feelings on this stuff with truth. And it cuts to the heart with the sword. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, physical, material, but mighty through God. So how, how is it mighty through God then? How, how is it mighty through God? It, 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 if it affects this world and it's not a material, physical object, then what is it? The word of truth. It's the word of truth. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we see the language here is very apropos. Now, when you think of... Uh, uh, use your sanctified imagination and, and imagine in the Middle Ages where they had the castles and fortresses and they have the, the defending army inside and the, and the attacking army outside and they're coming up and they got the walls and the fortress and everything. The pulling down of strongholds, mighty castles and buildings, mighty walls, uh, the fortresses and stuff, pulling them down, pulling down. That's knocking down the walls. Now you think, okay, we got to have siege engines, you know, battering rams, catapults, trebuchets, and all this stuff. You got to find, find ways to attack the walls. And the, the, a lot of Christians these days think like that. We see strongholds of sin and abomination, strongholds of wicked government or whatever else, and people think we have to fight them. We have to go out there and we have to attack and we have, we have to uh, uh, match them on their battlefields. But we, as we see with Joshua bringing down the walls of Jericho, they didn't even attack. What did they do? They walked around and praised God. They walked around and praised God. And the Lord knocked down the walls. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Daniel didn't fight the emperor. He didn't fight the kings when they went to drag him into the lion's den. What did he do? He praised God. And God shut the lion's mouths. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not fight the, the king. Did not fight the people. What did they do? They praised God. And the Lord delivered them from the fire. Are you seeing a pattern? What did Elijah do in Mount Carmel? He, uh, he, did, he didn't uh, stir up an army to attack the king and all this, but he praised God. And the Lord brought down the fire and showed how the prophets of Baal have no power and their God is not God. What did Moses do? Did he wage war against Egypt? Did he rise up armies amongst the Israelites and wage war against Egypt? No, they praised God. And, and the Lord delivered them. What did Paul and Silas do in the dungeon when they were beaten within an inch of their lives and stuffed into the dungeon, put in stocks? Did they fight and wage war? Did they, did they stir up anarchy? Did, how did, did they curse and kick and scream and spit at the jailers? No, they praised God and they were delivered from the prison. How about, how about when Peter was arrested and put in prison? He was chained between the soldiers in the, deep, in the deepest part of the dungeon. Uh, what did he do? Did he call for aid and all the Christians come and wage war and pick it out front and scream, my rights, all this stuff? What did they do? They got together, they prayed, and praised God. 
and Peter was delivered, and God knocked the chains off of his arm and opened the doors. Seeing a pattern. My kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. But we see our fighting, our warring, that the way that we go through is mighty through God, not the mighty, not mighty through philosophy and psychology and picketing and screaming and anarchy and rebellion. It's mighty through God. God works through his word. He works through his word. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. God is not limited. Well, the, the, this warring only works in this and this and this specific situation. No, no, no. It's in anything. And even on a personal level. Strongholds in our lives. Strongholds of sin. Strongholds of sin. Strongholds of temptation. Or not even that. It could be stronghold of, uh, of interpersonal issues at work. The individuals at your job. With your boss. With your family. Your friends. You fill in the gap. What is a stronghold of something that is troubling, bothering, hindering, harming you? That is distressing you? That you've been trying to deal with it for a while and it doesn't seem to go away? Or even uh, personal hindrances, personal sins and temptations that you pray and fight against. It just keeps coming up again and again and again and just batters you down, batters you down. Well, we see in Romans 7, we were told that this is how it's going to be because uh, we are now saved of God. Our flesh is going to fight us at every turn and it's not going to stop till it dies. But how can we war back? How can we fight back? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not just the word of God. I see, as we see the weapon of prayer. Praise. Thanksgiving. We see serving the Lord as a weapon against the flesh because it submits the flesh with the affections and lust thereof. The flesh will scream and kick and fight and bite when you're trying to drag it out to, to go and witness and testify of the Lord. But you'll notice that the more you keep going out, the every step you take, the flesh gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker until, until all of a sudden... There's like, like no thought, no thought of awkwardness, of shame. There's no thought of self-consciousness. As you see in verse five, casting down imaginations. You know what it means to cast down? It doesn't mean drop. It doesn't mean just let go. It doesn't mean just toss it over there. To cast down. Have you ever been so mad that whatever was in your hand, you just whipped it across the room. You just whipped it at the ground. You're so mad, you just whipped it. That's what that means. To cast down. How, well, how do you know that's what it means? Look what it says in verse 6. Having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. To take vengeance. This shows a hatred. A hatred. That you're a vengeance. You're taking war against it. Against what? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
if it's if it's contrary to the knowledge of God, if it's contradictory to the word of God, if if it if it contradicts the faith, you are opposed to it. You're against it. And especially if it's on a personal level, if it's something in ourselves, we take great vengeance against it. Casting down imaginations. Like, for example, like, like me this morning. Walking out there with the shirt like this and with the tracks and the signs and everything, you're very self-conscious. You stick out like a sore thumb. It was quite funny. Uh, when I got, finally got to my spot up the street, and I knew my dad was coming, and uh, I was waiting, 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 and I'm watching, and uh, the parade's going to be going anytime, and here, here, here he comes, walking down the side, you could, you could pick him out <laughs> like a lighthouse, with the shirt and everything, the, the, uh, the bright gold shirt with the lettering, and everything. it sticks out like crazy, right through the crowd. The scriptures say we are like the lighthouse in this dark world. We are lights in this darkness. To be ashamed of the light is to be ashamed of Christ. To be ashamed of the gospel is to be ashamed of God. Why, why would we be? The disciples weren't ashamed to walk with Jesus. Why should we be? We are here for a purpose. And anything that enters in our minds and imaginations of making us uh, not want to witness, not want to speak up, not want to hand out that track, not want to stand up for the Lord, not want to speak up for righteousness, Anything that would try to hinder us needs to be cast down. Not just pushed aside. Not not go over and say, hey, hey can, I, can I just talk with you? Just not. <laughs> there, there's no bargaining. You cannot bargain with the flesh. You have to war it. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to show the flesh who's boss. You have to show the flesh this is what you're about. And any thought, imagination, feelings, senses, anything that would rise up to oppose, you ignore and cast it down. People may say things that you try to hinder or oppose. They may mock you and scoff you. You ignore it. It's because for so they did the same thing to our master. You ignore. You ignore. Cold shoulder. Anything and everything. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, notice knowledge of God. For not uh, not all have this knowledge, so we see, especially when it comes to certain others that may be opposing us, they may not fully understand what they're doing, what they're saying. But look what it says: and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing into captivity. It's like waging war and you have captives. Prisoners of war. Your flesh is a prisoner of war. God has conquered. God has had the victory. He has saved your soul. Deliv delivered you from the condemnation. You're made a child of God. Your flesh is a prisoner of war. It has no rights. It has the right to be silent. It has a right to do as it's told. It, the, the flesh is condemned to die. Then we, we see our bodies then are changed. But until then, bringing into captivity every thought. There's, remember we talked about the difference between the mind of spirit and the mind of flesh. 
the thoughts that you are having, are they of the spirit or are they of the flesh? How do you know they're your thoughts? You got to bring your thoughts into captivity. How? How do you challenge? How can you know? How can you know? By testing it. You test the spirit of it. You, t you test the doctrine of it. Using the word of God, using the truth of the Lord, we test all things. Anything that comes in, nothing gets, gets just a free ride, gets a free pass. Everything must be checked, everything must be tested by the faith. So we test and check everything, and we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The flesh says, oh, no, just leave that person, don't give them a track. Oh, yeah? Give them a track. Bring it into obedience. What would the Lord say? Would the Lord ever say, do not give that person the gospel? Would the Lord ever say, do not give that person a gospel track? Do not witness to that. Do not pray for that person. Do not go to church. Would God ever say, do not go to church? Do not, God, whatever God, whatever, would God ever say, do not pray? Do not read your Bible. So we, we know by knowing the character of God, we can have a great understanding into the mind of God and how God would think about a situation in meekness and gentleness and understanding and grace, but also in understanding the obedience of Christ. What is the obedience of Christ for us? Verse 6, and having in a readiness. Remember we talked about being always ready. Always ready. Because we don't know what's coming down the road. Like, in all honesty, I completely forgot that they were having this parade this morning. I completely forgot. And I had it all planned what I was going to do, and I completely gapped it. I got up this morning... I was really tired and I slept in too. Should have gotten up earlier. And uh, I'm getting ready, and all of a sudden I hear a, you know the dum 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 the truck uh, of the the drums and the the sounds of the trucks and stuff outside. I'm like, oh, I forgot. And so I'm rushing around like crazy, getting everything ready, and I have to set this broadcast to be, you know, uh, uh, delayed to later and everything. And the point is to be always ready. See, I could have said, oh, it's it's late. I slept in. Uh, I can hand out tracts and Bibles and stuff next time. No, that's what the flesh wanted. The flesh wanted to, to postpone it, put it off, don't bother. But I brought myself into, uh, into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. This was more important. Getting out there, getting the gospel out. Uh, the broadcast can be delayed. We're not ending or stopping the broadcast. We're just pushing ahead just a little bit. We're making space, making time for this. Having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. The flesh wanted to stay behind. The flesh doesn't want to serve the Lord. The flesh will oppose at every turn and everything. All entertainment, music and movies and shows and games. Parades, everything. The flesh wants what it wants. But we have to be always ready. Because we could be tired. It could be the end of the day. You're tired. 
you're sore, you had a long day, you sit on the couch, it'd be so easy just to switch your brain into neutral. Just turn on the stupid idiot box, the television, switch your brain into neutral, and just relax. But we can't. We can't relax. But that's when stuff pops up or whatever it is that happens, comes around the corner. We need to always be ready. Always be ready for the Lord. And having in a readiness. See this in verse 6? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. And having in a readiness to revenge. And you see the words. Always pay attention to the specific words. What does that mean? When I say revenge, what's the picture? What is the what what picture is conjured up? Revenge. Now you see there's a fleshly vengeance. And a spiritual vengeance. As God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. So how can we take vengeance according to God's standard of vengeance? Of how he would do it? Well, there are certain things that we don't take vengeance about. And some things we do. When it comes to ourselves on a personal level, this, this is talking about in context and direct application of ourselves, uh, of ourselves and me, myself, personally. How do I take revenge against myself? Every time my flesh doesn't want to do what it should do for the Lord is when I make it. You grab it by the ear, twisting of the ear. Nope, you're coming along. The flesh, the flesh doesn't want to go out. Nope, let's go. But, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go to prayer meeting tonight. Can we do it? Nope. Out. Let's go. Get your shoes on. You don't give it an inch. Every time the flesh is like, oh, I don't know. Make it. Every time the flesh goes against the Lord in any way, shape, or form, make it. Make it do it. That's how you do this. And every time the flesh wants to sin, and every time the flesh does sin, we make it repent. And the flesh will fall in sin and temptation. Drag it. Drag it kicking and screaming before the Lord. Fall down before the Lord and repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry that my stupid flesh, you're holding it by the scruff of the neck, I'm sorry that my stupid flesh has made me do this again. Please forgive me. And you serve the Lord. In all eagerness. So we see here, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. All disobedience. This is also judging. Not the leftists that just gasped and sighed and fainted. This is talking about judging. We are to judge. Jesus says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Do you not know the saints shall judge the world? Judgment must begin at the house of God. So, revenging all disobedience is through righteous judgment. We judge all situations, all thought, all word, all senses, all sight, all action, everything. We judge everything by the standard of the righteousness of the word of God, of what Christ has said. And having in a readiness. So here's the thing. How can we be ready 
to serve the Lord? How can we be ready to take vengeance? How can we be ready to judge all things righteously if we don't know the word of God? So you see in this as well is the application of personal accountability in study. Memorization of scripture. Study of the word of God. A deliberate, willful desire to learn of the doctrines and theologies of scripture. To learn the faith. To memorize it, to hold it, and to hold yourself accountable to it. Having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is interesting. Revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What does that mean? You're coming up to sin, to the temptation of sin. The flesh has dragged you down here. When is your obedience fulfilled? This is when you you catch the moment and you rebuke the temptation, you resist the devil, resist the sin. That's how you that's how your revenge against when your obedience is fulfilled is the fulfilling of resisting the devil and rebuking sin. And also that if you happen to fall into the sin and you commit the sin and the temptation, the obedience is now repentance. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, where we confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your obedience is fulfilled through repentance. So, this is something that is warred. It talks about war. War the, in, in, in war, soldiers are always on edge. They're always ready. They're always watching. They're always waiting. Didn't Jesus say that? To be always watching, to be always waiting on him, to be always watching in prayer. Could you not watch with me one hour, he says to his disciples. Then he tells us that after after he, he's ascended, he says, now watch for the coming of Christ. We watch for that moment. We watch for that time. Be always watching, always ready, always on alert. People say, well, I can't do that all, all the time. It's just exhausting. Okay. Here's a thought, though. Was that your spirit saying that, or was that your flesh saying that? Because here's the thing. What's the alternative? What is the alternative to not always watching and not always being ready to wage war against the flesh and temptation of the enemy? What is the alternative? Just let it happen. That's not an option. That's not an option. To let the flesh have free reign? Just go do whatever you want? That's what the flesh wants. See, the flesh throws fits, gets angry, makes excuses. Well, I'm tired. I can't do this. This is exhausting. I'm bored. The flesh is a spoiled, rotten brat that doesn't get its way. It's all, it makes excuses for everything. You... You sit down in church and the flesh wants to daydream and go off and think of other things. Doesn't want to pay attention. And then when it can't have its way in church, what does it do? Makes you feel so tired. You're sitting in the pew and you're trying to keep your eyes open. You ever felt like that? Ever had that happen? You're so tired and you're sitting there. You can barely keep your eyes open or all of a sudden your your head nods and your head comes up. The flesh is throwing a fit. 
It can't have its way, so fine, I'm going to sleep. We wage war. Plan ahead. Know your enemy, which is yourself. Know your weaknesses. Prepare for that. What are ways to fight back? For myself, actually, I find that that, it, that myself is a big problem of feeling really tired in church because I'm always busy and doing stuff, working out and everything. I'm always tired. That's my secret. I'm always tired. So I, if, I'm, if I go to church and I'm just sitting there in my Bible, I'm just sitting there, my eyes will start going up. I will fall asleep. So what do I do? There's my Bible case. I have my notepad. And I sit there with my Bible. I have all my color pens and bookmarks and everything. And I take notes. I pay close attention. I, 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 and this is class. This is, the, this is like Bible school. And, and, and I sit there and I'll take notes, write down references. And I'll be thinking actively at what other passages of the Bible correlate with what he's saying right now. And I'll jot down other references and things and stuff. And I keep myself busy while I'm paying attention. So that is taking vengeance against the flesh in obedience to Christ. Sitting at the feet of Jesus at the sound of his word, at the word of God, and taking notes. Keeping yourself involved. Finding ways to fight back against the flesh. So this applies to every situation. At home, out and about, at work, with family, friends, everywhere, anywhere. Now, when it comes to witnessing and evangelism, for example, this is one of the things that is the hardest to overcome. The fear of man. The fear of man. This is a fear, a temptation, a trial, an awkwardness that many people just don't seem to ever be able to come to grips with. I, one of the things I like to do uh, myself is to get a gospel shirt. Now, Christian Coffee Time used to actually provide these, but uh, the, the availability of the shirts and all this stuff has uh, since uh, disappeared, and we can't really do that anymore. So it was only a, a limited time kind of thing. But you can make your own. Uh, you either go to print shops, or if you have the screen material, you can make your own, or you just uh, get a marker and make your own. The point of the point of this is even or not even sure make a sign like a, like a, a picket sign or something that has the gospel it says believe in the lord jesus christ thou shalt be saved on the other side jesus christ is god make a simple sign like that take it outside you don't even have to hand out tracks this is a gospel track people are reading it people are reading this and it sticks in their mind and on the back of the shirt it says repent and believe the gospel People see that sticks in their mind. You are a walking gospel track. You don't even have to say anything. Just stand there. Learn to get over the, the desires of the flesh to run and hide. Having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. So how can you revenge the disobedience of the flesh, which is the lack of fear of God and the desired fear of man? How can you take vengeance against the fear of man? By training yourself. 
You train yourself. How can you revenge sin? You train yourself to oppose. You know what the red flags are. You know what the warning signs are that are leading up to temptations and things. Watch for stuff. Whether it be bad attitude or someone else is in a bad attitude or something else is going on or whatever. You know the signs and you know to watch for it. You know how to walk in obedience of Christ and, and not give in to the temptation of the flesh. Re revenging disobedience in any way person place thing circumstance issue whatever it is is you learn to train yourself to walk in obedience when your obedience is fulfilled and we see in verse 7 here do ye look on things after the outward appearance what did jesus say judge not after the appearance do ye look on things after the outward appearance? Don't judge circumstances and situations by what it, it seems to appear as. God can change the hearts and minds of people just on the fly. Well, we're at a dead end. We have nowhere to go. He can part the sea. Don't judge after the outward appearance. Don't look at things in, the, in their physical sense. Look at the soul. Don't look at the physical flesh. Look at the soul. You see souls walking, not flesh walking. You see opportunities of the gospel. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust in himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ's. If you think you belong to Christ, then you have a duty, a duty to Christ, to serve him. If any man trust himself that he is Christ, if you trust yourself to Christ, give yourself to the Lord. If you give yourself to the Lord, trust yourself to Christ. Then think about this again what this means, is what Paul is saying. Let, let him of himself think this again. Bring this into your, into your thought again. Consider this again. That, that as you trust yourself to Christ, you are Christ's. You belong to him. You have a duty to serve him. You have a duty to uh, to obey him in everything. But here's the question. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to? What would tell you? What would give you the impression that you don't want to? So the part of you that doesn't want to, that gets awkward, fidgets in the seat you get uncomfortable when the when the preacher says these kinds of things what's that part of you that feels that awkwardness that that comes up with those excuses that says oh, i don't know if i could do that comes up well, i don't i don't have the gift i don't have the time i don't know how that's the flesh that's the flesh talking but have you trusted yourself to jesus christ he gave you an example on how to do it, and he showed his disciples how to do it. He showed us how to do it. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? You see souls. You see opportunities to glorify God. You see opportunities to pray for others, to help others, to see the truth. We are to be inspirations. As Paul says, use me as an example. We should be the examples to the next generation. When the, when the younger generation looks to you, looks up at you and sees you, what do they see? What do they hear? What are you leaving them? 
When the time comes and you pass the torch, what are you going to be passing to them? You say, well, well, I don't really have anyone around me that I could be an inspiration to. Online? Are you telling me that there's nobody? Even family. Your spouse, your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your grandparents, anybody around you. Your neighbor. And even if, even if, hypothetically, even if you're secluded all by yourself like a hermit in the mountain and there's nobody else around for 50 miles, you're an example to yourself. You're an example to yourself. You trust yourself to Christ, you serve him. Even if there's no one else around, you keep yourself to the Lord. Verse 8, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath, hath given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, to be edified, built up, and not for your destruction. I'm not saying these things to put you down to make you feel bad. I'm not saying these things. I'm not, I'm not coming down on you like I have been. I'm not just coming down on you for your destruction, but for your edification. Because this is serious. This is a serious, serious thing. Why else would we go out in the street on a Canada Day parade dressed like this, handing out Bibles and gospel tracts? Why else would we do this? Because I have to. No. Because it's serious. Because people need to be saved. They're on their way to hell. We have no, we have no idea when our time is coming. And we want, we want as many people to get saved as we possibly can. I want to serve the Lord. I want to see souls saved. I want the enemy to be put down. I want the flesh to be submitted. I want the Lord to be glorified, to be magnified. I want the name of Jesus Christ to stick in people's minds and to mean more than a cuss word. I shall boast more of this authority. The authority that God has given us. Of the duty that we have to the Lord. To boast of this. To boast of this for your edification. To be bold and confident in the Lord for your edification. And not for your destruction. I should not be ashamed. As Paul says, I should not be ashamed. Why would I be ashamed of saying the name of Jesus in public? And it not be a cuss word. But rather you're actually magnifying Jesus in public. Why should I be ashamed to pray in public? Why should I be ashamed to hand out tracts and Bibles and to live for the Lord publicly? To declare the truth unashamedly. Why should I be ashamed? And as Paul says, I give this to you and I'm telling you all this for your edification. Verse 9, that, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. To, to make you feel bad and small and to make you feel scared that like God is going to come down on you. I, that's not my intention and that's not what I'm trying to get across as Paul says. I'm not saying these things to make you feel bad. I'm saying these things to build you up so you can become more bold in a more focused zealousness, like we talked about earlier. And these letters 
as written by the disciples, written by the prophets, the whole scriptures was written for our learning so that we could go and do likewise as the prophets were, so we would be to stand and say, thus saith the Lord. But now we have something of a more sure word of prophecy. Thus saith the Lord, you must be born again. And to stand up, bold and confident in the Lord, submitting the flesh with the affections and lust thereof, edifying one another, correcting one another in the love of Christ, Avoiding contentions and strifes of words. Not fighting for an earthly kingdom, but for the heavenly. Fighting to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so that souls would be saved. Saints strengthened. The big picture. The big picture. It's not about me. It's not even about my local church. It's not about you. It's not about maintaining a ministry. It's about seeing souls saved and God being magnified. That's what it's all about. It's about the name of Jesus Christ getting into the mind and heart of every single person around and doing whatever it takes to get that done. And if that means making myself seem and look look like the social pariah and going out and getting scoffed and mocked at, people looking and frowning and scowling and spitting and cussing, getting mad because they're standing there, so be it. I'll take the shame for Christ. Because this is more important. And if they reject it, there's coming a day they're going to wish that they had it stopped and listened. They're going to rue the day that they ever scowled at you, ever cursed you, ever frowned at you, ever mocked you. They're going to rue the day. When they stand before the Lord, the Lord is going to cause them to remember, and he, he's going to point right at you. And he's going to say, that, that servant of mine over there tried to warn you. It's that serious. It's as serious as hell. Where everyone is going. The fires, the heat, the flame, the torment, the wrath of God. It's as serious as the wrath of God. We need to save people from that. It says in, it says in Jude, and, and it was some even pulling them out of the fire. Getting uncomfortable for them. Going to those places uncomfortable to try, try to see some saved. Endangering yourself if need be. Taking upon yourself the cause of Christ. You trust yourself to the Lord, then trust that you have been given a duty for the Lord. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Talking about the Apostle Paul. His letters, his doctrine, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. He didn't have a real way with words. Stumbled over himself and awkward in speech. But when it came to the when it came to the word of God, but when it comes to the law of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, weighty and powerful. Just grabs your attention and you can't move. Brings you, it brings you into a state of arrest and you just 
it sparks your mind, sparks your conscience, makes you think. He knows what he's talking about. Or even the even the, the Sanhedrin couldn't resist it. Even the Sanhedrin had to take note that they he had been with Jesus. That these unlearned fishermen and these other individuals who, who are not Pharisees, not doctors of the law, they knew what they were talking about. And Paul, even though a doctor of the law, but he spoke of Christ. He spoke differently than what the Sanhedrin is used to. That when it comes to the religious, the religionist, you know what you're talking about. You make their heads spin by just stating this is what the word of God says. And you don't need catechism, creed, commentary. You don't need you don't need diplomas and certificates. You don't need the approval of men. You don't need anything but the word of God. This is what it says. To stand up for the Lord. You defy the, the powers that be by the word of God. No, this is what the word of God says. I will not bow to sin. I will not bow to the image. Cast me in the fire if, 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 if you need. The Lord is even able to save me from the fire. The letters, the words are weighty and powerful. The rest is weak. What did John the Baptist say? I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. So how can I decrease? What does this mean? This is submitting the flesh. Where it's not by my words of wisdom. It's not by my abilities. It's not by my strength. It's not by my presence. It's not by me in any way, shape, or form other than the words spoken. I'm nothing. He is everything. You see, the flesh wants to get involved. The flesh even will start to bargain. The flesh will say, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine then. If I if I have to go along with this, oh, then I want to be a part of this. I want some part of this ministry to be about me. I want recognition. I want fame and fortune. I want money. I want this. That's what the prosperity gospel is all about. The flesh, the flesh says, okay, fine then, but I want a part. I want to be praised as much as Jesus gets praised. No. The flesh gets none. Nothing. It's not about it's not about us or any in any way shape or form no personal notoriety it's all about the lord it's all about the lord jesus christ all praise is redirected to him the whole thing the whole work everything is redirected to him for his letters say they are weighty and powerful but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible that God is able to use anyone of in any state. You say, well, I've never been to Bible school. And so what of it? Well, but but I but I, I don't have any high knowledge of anything. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the gospel? Do you know do you know what Jesus did for us? Well, yeah, that's all you need. Go preach Jesus. Go testify of Jesus. Go, witness of Jesus. Verse 11. Let such an one, who has trusted himself to Christ, let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. If you know how to speak it, you better know how to live it. 
You say you love the Lord, but in works dishonor him. If you if you're going to be bold for Christ in letters, and this is he here he's talking about even in scrolls of sending letters. You can be bold to someone where if we were to transition this to today in today's technology, let such a one think this that such as we are in word by social media, such as we are in word by Facebook, by Instagram, by YouTube, by Twitter, when we're absent, by phone call, by texting, by emails, if we're bold to speak the word of God in these manners, such will we be also indeed when we're present. You better be exactly the same in person. No two-facedness. That's what he's getting at. No two-faces, no hiding behind anonymity. We could be a lot bolder when we're, when we're uh, behind the screen, a lot bolder behind the letters. Not, not as bold in person. But the two should mirror each other. It should be the same. As you speak, so you act. As you act, so you speak. Verse 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Once again, at here, verse 12. Uh, individuals, uh, compare ourselves with others. To compare yourself to someone else. Don't compare yourself to me and I don't compare myself to you. Well, 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 I don't know if I can do it because look at this person over here. Look at what they're doing. Or look at what they're doing. You don't compare yourself to someone else. Well, I, I, I don't hand out tracks that often. But the thing is, you do. Even if you get out one. Even if you get out one. But I don't have a ministry like you. Or I don't have a big name like Charles Spurgeon or D.L. Moody or, or Billy Graham or something else. No, but the Lord needs people in other positions. No one else is a John the Baptist. No one else is quite like an Elijah. The thing is, is you are who you are and you do not compare yourself to anyone else. You compare yourself to Christ. You compare yourself to Jesus Christ. You serve him. And everything that you, that you can do, everything that you can give to him, do it. As unto the Lord. But look what he says here. But they measuring themselves by themselves. According to their own feelings and opinions. Well, I don't feel that, I don't think, comparing themselves to themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Or they become a thing unto themselves and they judge, judge by the outward appearance. They got a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot of fame, a lot of notoriety. That's not what the Lord looks at. And that doesn't matter. That can all be gone overnight. Say you boast about your social media. You boast about your great online ministry. It could get it could get doxxed and deleted overnight. Then what do you do? All of your accounts get banned. Then what? If you are only the sum of your material and physical fame and fortune, then that's not of God. It's of the hearts of the inner man. That even if you lost it all, keep going. Start over. Go somewhere else. You get shut down, go a different corner. They throw the track back in your face, go give it to someone else. 
you don't compare to the outward you don't compare to to your own personal abilities because the lord is able to give you greater the lord is able to change you i will give you the words with which to say in the very same hour i will teach thee what thou shalt say i will give you the thoughts the words i will give you the desire if you would but go verse 13 but we will not boast of things without our measure but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. I will not boast of myself. I will not boast of my abilities. I will not boast of what I have done. We will not boast of things without our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed. But we boast of God, what God has done, what God is able to do, what he has done, and what he's going to do. I do not exist in this equation other than I'm just the mouthpiece. I'm just a voice in the wilderness. That's all I am. It's the Lord. He is able to change all things. He's able to renew all things. He is able. I'm not. God parted the sea, not Moses. God that raised the dead, healed the sick. God saves the soul. He's the one that does all the work. Nothing of me. In the very the very words that I'm giving you at this moment is from the Lord, not me. It's not my ability to string a phrase. It's his. He gives me the words with which to say in the very same moment. These broadcasts are from the Lord, not me. Praise him, not me. The church, the only reason the church is still standing by our little congregations are still still going on and able to do so much because the Lord wills it. It's not us. We are, we are just pawns in the hand of God because we have given ourselves for that. We wanted to be used so the Lord places us where he, where he wants us then. You, why, why gripe about where the Lord places you if you wanted to be used by God? He needs someone here. He needs someone here. He needs someone over here. He needs someone in a high place. He needs someone in a low place. He needs someone here. You praise the Lord that you're able to serve him at all. That's the thing. And don't begrudge. Don't complain and don't look down at someone else because they don't do as much. The point is, do something. Even if, even if you can't hand out anything, pray. Pray. We need prayer warriors. We need people who will carry the tracks. We need people who will financially support the work. We need people behind the scenes. We need, we need the, the people who make the coffee. Serving the Lord out of the goodness of your heart, out of the gladness of your heart, to help in some way, some form, to sweep the floor, to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, is what the one writer says. Do something. And don't compare yourself to others. You now, growing up, and my dad always ha had a thing is be careful who you square off to there will always be a bigger guy is no matter how good you are you could train in all the all martial arts be like a bruce lee you know it, it gets so powerful and fast there will always be someone better there's always a bigger fish don't look high in yourself exalt not yourself let another man's mouth praise thee and not thine own. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. 
The only reason anything gets done is because the Lord is the one who opens the doors. He's the one that makes the way in the wilderness. He shows me where to go. He tells me what to say. He shows me how to pray. He, he's the one that guides all things. All praise to the king. All hail King Jesus. Verse 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. God even distributed an opportunity to be able to reach you, Church of Corinth. He's the one that distributes the gifts. He distributes the abilities, the blessings, and all the things. He distributes the words and the wisdom and the knowledge. It's by his standard of rule. Look what it says. We boast not of ourselves without our measure, but our measures, but we boast according to the measure of the rule of God. God's rule of authority. But God says, he's the boss. The buck stops at him. And how do we know what the Lord wants? What does his word say? His rule book, the standard of the measure of rule, which is what? The word of God. According to God has, has distributed to us his word, a measure to reach others. See that? Verse 14, for we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you, but, but we are come as far as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. We stretch not ourselves of our words and our wisdom. We stretch not ourselves unto everybody, but something else is stretched. As though we reached unto you. No, no, no. Something else is reaching you. Because God is not willing that any should perish. God makes a way. God desires that all would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he will stretch it. He will make the way. He will spread it. He will spread it. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ. Verse 15, not boasting of things without our measure. There it is again. That is, of other men's labors. We don't boast about our personal, well, I've done this and I've done this. I've accomplished this and I've accomplished this and I've accomplished this. I've gone here and I've gone over to these people and I've done, no, no. We don't boast about our accomplishments not boasting of things without our measure that is of other men's labors but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in, in another man's line of things made ready to our hand but he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord it's all glory to God it's all glory to God we boast about what the Lord has accomplished. People have gotten saved. The sick have been helped. The poor have been reached. And, and, we've, and, and other churches are encouraged. And people are drawn to the Lord. Revivals are spread. We, we boast about that, that Bibles were handed out. That tracts got out. You don't say that I, I was able to hand out. No, no. That Bibles got out. I'm not in the equation. And, uh, and as for other men's labors, we boast about the effectiveness of God through them. 
This is what Paul's getting at. Because we want to learn how to submit the flesh, we have to exclude the flesh. And we have to redirect everything back to the Lord. Everything has to be about the Lord. If you want your flesh to be subjected, if you want to learn to rule over the flesh, if you want to gain victory and wage war, and taking in captivity every thought, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. See, Paul starts with explaining about how we wage war against the flesh. And we walk not after the flesh, and a war not according to the flesh. But it's all about spiritual and how we submit the flesh. And he explains, this is how you do it. Stop boasting about yourself. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop being uh, self-conscious and self-conceited and self-absorbed. Stop making it about you. Stop thinking about yourself in any way. It's not about you. He can part the sea. He can provide the need. Whatever it is, he can do it. He changes the physical. He changes the material because he is able. Walk according to his rule of measure. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Don't glory in yourself. Bring it back to about Jesus Christ. Verse 17. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Don't commend yourself. Don't boast yourself. It's not about your authority, my authority, anyone else's authority. Don't say, well, the, the Lord blesses me because look what I have done. Look what I've achieved. Like the Pharisees. Look how holy I am. Look what I've accomplished. God loves me because look at this. No, you're not approved because you've done and you've accomplished. You're not approved with whom the Lord commendeth. Look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist received the highest praise of anyone else in the entire Bible. That I'm aware of. <laughs> uh, we take a look and what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? Now, John the Baptist had nothing. Not much is actually said about him of things that he's actually done in his life other than he preached at the River Jordan and he went, went to tell of Herod. Um, Jesus says he's the greatest of all the prophets. Greater than Moses. Greater than Elijah. Greater than Samuel. Greater than Isaiah. Greater than Noah. The greatest of all the prophets. God commended him. He was approved of God because God commended him and God approved of what he was doing. But what did John the Baptist do? He died to self. He died to self. You're not used of God because of what you've accomplished. You're used of God because you died to self, you surrendered to him, and you let him control you. He calls the shots. You live by faith. So we see in this chapter... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. My kingdom is not of this world. But we're here for a reason. We are here waging war on a spiritual level. Taking captives. Where we, we captivate people's attention with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We bring them to the Lord. And they are born again saved. And their flesh is held captive to the word of God in prayer. 
We are here waging spiritual war by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Stop looking at situations according to the appearance. Do you look at, at things according to the appearance? Well, that looks impossible. Good. It's impossible to men. But with men, it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Judge not according to the appearance. Look not at things according to the appearance. Submit the flesh or the affections and lusts thereof. Wage spiritual war. Bring everything into captivity to the word of God and prayer. It's all about the Lord. Glorify the Lord. Praise the Lord. All hail King Jesus is what it's all about. It's all about him. It's not about me. I don't exist. The sooner we get that through our thick heads, the easier things will get. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk under grace, not law. Understand what this grace means. The unmerited favor of God. And how does this apply now in the service of Christ? As he is our sanctification. He is our power. He's our everything. He's our redemption, our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification. What's left for me? What's left? go into all the world and tell them what happened all right so there you go that's the study for today a bit of a shorter one but uh, a lot of uh, info in here a lot of things to think about and what's left for us to do we we, we say we believe that we'll say amen to that we say we agree will you do it will you do it now, what will you do to wage war against yourself so that you can proceed in the obedience of Christ? What can you do where you are? Don't compare yourself to others. What can you do for the Lord? What's at your disposal? You want to serve the Lord? Tell him. Ask him to open doors for you. Watch what happens. So with that, we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in, folks. God bless you. And as well, please check out all our other uh, playlists. We got tons and tons of content, other studies and uh, goodies on there, as well as our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. It links to all other platforms and goodies there, as well as free downloadable gospel track PDFs. Please make sure you take advantage of that and get out there, hand them out, and get the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ into their hands. And, and uh, I'll just... Real, real simple way. I know I've told you some of this before, but to hand out gospel tracks, if you hand it like this, people have like a split second where, where they'll try to see what it is before they take it. And they'll see that it's something religious and they, they generally won't want it. They won't take it. If you turn it around, turn the track around backwards, you go to hand it to them in a split second of subconscious uh, recollection, they'll, they'll recognize the words and they'll take an extra second to see, well, what, what is that all about? And they'll go to read it and they'll see it's religion and they don't want it. So, turn the track upside down and backwards. Upside down and backwards. People don't want to stand in an awkward confrontation for more than a second or two. And, the, and they won't have time to really be able to try to read the words that are upside down. So, when you, when you go to hand them the track, they'll just instinctively take it and read it later and the other way to also get them out there is to smile 
It's a happy message. It's a joyous message. So what you do is you walk up to someone and you say, hey, that right there, there's a psychological trigger where in the vast majority of people, 99.999% of people, unless they're a really, really grumpy, crusty individual, generally when you smile and say, hey, they will smile and say, hey, back. So what you do is you say, hey, I've been handing these out. Did you get one? And just hand it to them. And say, oh, what's that about? Oh, there's some, some pamphlets I've been handing out. They take it. You will have a 90 plus percent success rate handing out gospel tracts like that. So take the track upside down and backwards. Say, hey, I've been handing these out. Did you get one? It's as simple as that. And you'd be fairly saying, hey, God bless you. And just move on. And then hand one to someone else. It's as simple as that. You can hand out tons of them. Um, same with, again, I mentioned these uh, John and Romans. Um, you can get them in many different Christian uh, ministries around a lot of places sell John and Romans. Um, some places it's cheaper than others. Uh, Bearing Precious Seed Ministry uh, has, has some really good ones, again, in Ontario, Canada, if you're around this area. I don't know other ministries around other places, but uh, this is what we were handing out today. This is Canada Day, so these ones really fit in. It's really easy to hand these ones out on Canada Day. Um, but yeah. So what I do is I just put a, a gospel tract in the John and Romans because it'll help guide them through and uh, show them where passages are or whatever. And uh, yeah, so again, many different ideas out there. So give this some thought and get busy, do something. If you don't have the means, don't have the funds or, or the ability or the just the availability of, of witnessing uh, the people around, you pray. Pray for those that do. We need prayer we need more people to pray to take the the faith seriously in prayer to take evangelism seriously in prayer to pray for those that witness to pray for those that preach so we need people working behind the scenes so ask the lord for something to do and then give yourself wholeheartedly to it serve the lord trust yourself to him watch what the lord does so with that god bless you thank you so much for joining in and uh, God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.